2: Well, hello everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode of FNO Insure Tech. I am your co-host Lee Boyd, and your other co-host Rob Beller is not on today. This is the the Lee Show, so we will just say your host Lee Boyd. I've always kind of wanted to say that, but you know, don't don't tell Rob. I hope everyone's having a wonderful week out there. Uh, on the episode today. We are very excited to welcome back David Gritz and Tony Liu. This is Tony's first time to be on, but they're with InsurTech New York. Uh, it's a community that helps intratech startups uh, get a footing in the industry. They help connect startups with, with backing, and they are here to talk about their new adventure into the accelerator world, uh, where they'll let us know a little bit about what they're doing and what separates them from some of the other accelerators out there. It's always great to have them on. Uh, we we last learned about the competition uh, that they did. Uh, I believe it was a few months, you know, almost maybe six or more months ago. I'm, I'm not sure, but David came on and talked about that competition. And I think it'll be another very good conversation with them today. So instead of me rambling on, uh, we will go ahead and hop on into our podcast today with the co founders of Insured Tech New York, David Gritz and Tony Liu. Hey, everybody, welcome back to a, another exciting episode of FNO Insured Tech. I am joined today by two representatives from Insured Tech New York David Gritz, who has been with us before, and Tony Liu. Uh, and I'd like to welcome them. Welcome guys.
0: Thanks. Thanks for having it's us glad to be here.
2: Yeah. Very excited to have y'all on today. So where do we find y'all at? David, where are you calling us today from?
0: I am in Cherry Hill, New Jersey.
2: Great. Well, and Tony, what about you? Where do we find you today?
1: Yeah. So I'm normally in New York, in Queens, but this week I'm actually visiting Korea and I'll be here for Uh, at least a few weeks. So,
2: Well, good. Well, let's jump on in and let's talk a little bit about InsureTech New York and what it is and kind of your mission. And just tell me all about it. Whoever wants to go ahead and take that one.
0: Yeah. So I'll start really InsureTech New York was created for a few things. First is that we are the central location in the New York metro area to pull together insurance carriers, brokers, insurtechs, risk managers and investors to really forward the digital transformation. And what we're really trying to do is get the right talent involved and most people their first career path is not necessarily to go in insurance. You don't maybe when you're 6 years old imagine that you're going to be an actuary. But our idea is by raising the awareness and some of the exciting things that have happened, that we can attract some of the best talent to InsurTech and legacy carriers as well. The second component is around infrastructure. So a lot of startups, when they're starting out, they need a lot of resources to be successful. For seed stage companies, it's their first customer. For digital MGAs, they need a reinsurance carrier to work with. And in general, even the advanced startups that are coming from Europe need a way to kind of get into the market. So that's the other area. And the last, which is kind of a natural thing, is access to investments. So startups that come to New York or want to do business in and around New York, we're a hub to really help them connect with the organizations, both corporate VCs and VCs that are doing investments.
2: So, David, what's going on right now with that? As as we are dealing with the COVID and uh, and the whole economy had a had some issues there for a while. It seems to be rebounding. Are startups within the insurtech world still able to meet and find investments from from these um, backers?
0: Yeah. So, I think there's a couple different buckets. I think startups that had already started discussions with investors prior to covid they're still moving along in the process and getting term sheets sometimes those term sheets are not necessarily as the terms that they had originally envisioned when they started the conversation but there's still investments being made and we do our newsletter once a month and we share all of the investments in the northeast area that were made and i can tell you in our last newsletter we had more than eight companies that got pretty serious investments, including Oscar Health, that raised over $200 million. So, money is still being put in. But I think where the challenge happens is angel investors that were a little more active are maybe being a little more protective of their money and um, thinking about things more. Uh, The corporate VCs, a lot of them already have allocated funds, so they can keep moving. But then some of the traditional VCs that rely on calling their investors money when they make the investments, they're a little more stretched. So I think really it's the traditional VCs that have been affected a little bit more. But it all depends on really the stage of the conversation with the startups. I think startups that are starting fundraising now, it's a lot harder than if they started maybe three months ago and, and have conversations.
2: Well, Tony, I'm very interested. Why don't you take this one? Why found this? As a co-founder of Venture Tech New York, what made you want to found this whole thing?
1: You know, David and I, I got together to initially to, you know, help support and advise InsurTechs. And what we realized uh, was it was really hard to connect with them. And and, and we heard the same thing from InsurTechs and other carriers and brokers that it was hard to meet other stakeholders in, in New York because there really wasn't like a community that supported the ecosystem like, you know, other cities do. For example, like if you go to uh, San Francisco, there's SBIA, which actually David. Uh, was a part of, and, you know, they run events. If you go to London, there's Instech London. If you go to Hartford, there's InsurTech Hartford. But there wasn't any community that, you know, actively supported that throughout the year uh, in New York. And so we felt that, you know, that was a shame. And so that's when we created our community last year. And and from the beginning, the fir- from the first event, we got a great number of interest from the, our, our community, and they really, uh, you know, push us to continue to move forward with the uh, community building effort, uh, which is kind of why why
2: we're here. But this isn't all that that y'all do, is it? You do. It looks here as though uh, Tony, you actually do some other things.
1: Yeah, so it's sort of become our main thing now. So both okay. uh, David and I do a bit of consulting, and I also manage another community. For independent consultants, but primarily our InsurTech NOI is our main business and our main priority.
2: Whenever a InsurTech startup comes to you, what path do they go down? I mean, do they just show up and come to the meetings and automatically meet people? Or is there some kind of formula you help them out with? Talk to me about that.
0: Yeah, so we have a few different channels for InsurTechs to connect with us and and pretty much all of our events, we have a networking component. So whether it's in person or virtual, it gives them the opportunity to see who else is in the community and meet them. But we do have a number of types of ways they can interact in a more formal way. So every year we have our competition. So InsurTechs that want to showcase themselves, can apply and be part of that competition, and then the top InsurTechs, we allow them to present and um, meet a lot of the different CVCs and investors and innovation leaders as judges. And then this October, we're going to be running our first cohort of our accelerator which will be focused on growth stage startups. So startups that have at least one enterprise customer or if they're a digital MGA have started selling some policies and we'll be running that as a six week structured program. So those are the primary ways. And then obviously there's more informal ways whether startups reach out to us directly and they have specific needs. We always do our best to connect them with the right people in our ecosystem.
2: So what, what's going to go on with the Accelerator, Tony? What, what does that involve? And go ahead.
1: Sure, yeah. So the Accelerator is going to really focus on helping what we call growth stage insure techs. And how we define that is insured techs who have revenue, who have clients already or, or customers already, You know, they kind of reached this stage where they need to start scaling and can actually, you know, make use of meeting more partners or other customers. And so it's going to be a partnership-focused accelerator. And they will go through a six-week program, largely focused on partnerships, number one. And then number two is investment. And then number three is talent. Uh, In terms of partnership, we have partnerships with 15 carriers and brokers who are going to be actively participating meeting them and actively looking to partner with the insured techs. And they will also have even more care broker mentors who will be mentoring them as well. And then in terms of investment, we'll have over 20 investors who will be providing them uh, feedback in terms of their investor pitches, but also potentially could invest them in them as well. And, and then f- finally on the talent side, uh, we'll have you know education on best way to acquire the best talent, which is a, a big problem for the, group short text in this particular stage of their business life cycle.
2: Okay, so there you were talking about carriers. Who are some of the carriers who are going to be working with you?
0: Yeah, so in terms of the carriers, not all of them we can formally name, but uh the ones that have let us kind of use their name and branding is uh Arch Capital, Greenlight Re, Nassau Re, Nationwide, Swiss Re transverse insurance and flagship insurance. But like Tony said, there's 15 in total. Mm -hmm. And in terms of the participants beyond that, we do have another 10 insurance carriers that are participating as mentors.
2: What are you looking for? What type of company should sign up to be a part of the accelerator program?
1: what I discussed you know in terms of like stage of company you need to be beyond the MVP stage. so you need to have product and pretty clear strategy on what you are you looking for in terms of your business uh, have revenue, have clients and customers. you don't necessarily need to be funded because not all insure techs require funding but if you're funded we'll, it' was probably going to be in C to series A.
2: You know, with that, is this mostly for MGAs on the sell side? Is it property, casualty, life, health? Is it just all around?
1: So it will be pretty much all around, but it will be focused on supporting the needs of the 15 carriers and brokers. And and so far, many of them are looking for distribution partners. So that's definitely a big item. And so we are going to, if you're a digital MGA, please apply. I would love to have you. And we also have uh, needs on the, especially on the, in terms of lines of business, there's many life and annuity type of carriers who are participating. So if you have business, if you have a solution that solves challenges for those lines of business, definitely will be a good fit. There are other carriers who are in the PNC area and health area as well. And they're also not just looking for distribution partners, but also helping them solve distribution process as well as underwriting and claims. And David, I don't know if you want to add anything to that.
0: Yeah, so I guess all I would say is that we are interested in both the distribution or digital MGA companies, but also those that solve enterprise problems. And a lot of the hot topics that you hear, like analytics, we're we're interested in, um, alternative data sources, we're interested in. And really things that go at the core to make insurance companies more efficient.
2: We have interviewed quite a few different startup, you know, accelerators. What makes yours different than other ones out there already?
0: In terms okay. of the difference between us and other accelerators, there's really three areas. First is geographically speaking, we're focused in New York and that Positions us in a place where we can be very helpful to insurtechs on the East Coast and from Europe and Israel. And not saying that we don't want to help insurtechs in the West Coast, because we definitely do. But in terms of geography, we've found with other accelerators, whether it's ones that are based in San Francisco or Des Moines or Minneapolis, that they tend to attract insurtechs that are closer to them because that's the market that it's easy for them to do business in. So if you're in the Midwest, it's really easy to do business with carriers that are also in the Midwest. And if you're on the West Coast, it's easier to do business with carriers on the West Coast. Um, So I think we're filling that gap in terms of geographically being on the East Coast to support that. The second area is really the types of startups that we focus on in terms of stage. So we're really focused on startups that are in that growth stage, and some of the other accelerators do a terrific job with early stage companies. Like example is the global insurance accelerator; they work with startups in their MVP stage to help them prove out what they need to do to be successful and get their first customer. And I think really what we're looking at is the startup has their first customer; they raise their first institutional round. And now they're in that chasm where they're in a race. They have to get enough revenue to beat their cost structure so they can either raise their Series A round at a good valuation or get to a level of profitability. And we found that there's a lot of really great insure techs that are in that chasm where they're not yet profitable. But if they had four or five additional carriers, either to provide them with capacity or um, as customers, it would get them much further along to the point where they can see a path to profitability or they can get to their next stage in funding. And then the last area that were different is in terms of like our requirements and burdens. So some of the other accelerators are intensive. They require you to relocate your business for 90 or to 100 days, and they make it really intense. Our program is only 12 days for the startups. So what that means is that they don't even have to send their whole team. They can send their founders or the relevant people in their company for the days that are relevant to those topics. So it's very low left for a very high output And we focus really on the three things that we've heard from growth stage startups that they care about, which is how do they get more traction in the market? How do they attract the best talent to their organization? And how do they tee themselves up for their next funding round?
2: So if somebody wants to apply for this, what do they need to do? Yeah. So if they want to apply,
1: essentially just go to our website, insuretechny.com slash accelerator. And right now, you can click on the sign up to learn more. And, you know, we'll just keep you posted when the application opens. And our application opens July 21st. Um, After July 21st, you can go to the same website, except instead of sign up to learn more, there will be a button to apply.
2: I'd like to ask a little bit deeper question here, and I'll ask it to you, Tony. Is this a good time for people to start? A new company in the world of insurance or, or, or insurance tech—is this a good time?
1: I think it's probably a good time. I mean, just this is kind of just my opinion, right? But historically, the best businesses came out of a quote-unquote recession, which is you know it's debatable that we are in one right now. But obviously, we're in a downturn, so I guess it's definition-wise, we're in recession. But yeah. it's historically that's been the case, and this is a time to hunker down and start something new. And as, as a startup, you've learned a discipline of managing your costs and, and being super focused, which you get to do if there's limitation on your resources, right? And the, the demand from the insurance industry to digitize and innovate hasn't decreased. In fact, it's increased, you know, with the COVID situation, you know, not having to be able to do things in person, check their claims in person. You know, just uh, there's, there's a lot of need to digitize. And I, I think there's more that need hasn't, hasn't stopped. It's, it's increased and it continues to be that way.
2: David, if we look at the companies that were going through your community about a year ago, has there been a pivot in their business operations? Have companies changed what they're doing because of the pandemic and covid and all of that, are we seeing a change in the need for startup insured techs?
0: I would say in terms of some of the changes, I think if you go back last year, or even a couple of years ago, there was a lot of focus on the core. So if you think about it, policy administration systems or things that go into the rules engines of underwriting, or even just simple comparators. And I think as time has gone on, startups have become more mature and more precise in, types of, in terms of the types of problems that they solve. So startups are focused more on digital distribution. They're focused more on what is a specific affinity group that they can target in a cost efficient way to be able to get new business for themselves or their carrier partners. And then the other things that we've seen kind of expand over time in in terms of demand and and startups is new data sources. And that's broadly speaking, not just property and casualty, but also in the life side of things, because in a world where you don't want to send a doctor to take blood, it's really important to say, how can we gather that same level of data on a person so we can feel confident when we're underwriting a life policy? So that's become a really high in demand area. And then on the claim side of things, I think there's definitely been a number of startups that have expanded, whether it's how can we virtually look at roofs or look at them with drones, or how can we provide that same type of experience. Like the winner of our competition, Matterport, they actually have a three-dimensional camera that looks at factories or businesses, whether there's a flood or some other claim. And the desk adjusters can take that back after the video or, or the images have been recorded and actually walk through the site as if they were there in person.
2: I love that. Yeah, Matterport is a great company, and, and I've been able to deal with them a lot. What about the pillars within insurance? For example, we're during this pandemic, we've had issues with, with health uh, insurance because uh, we need to be able to take blood, like you said, and we can't always go out. We've also had problems going out to insurance home to inspect for hell damage or inside water leaks because we don't want to do that has there been a certain vertical within insurance that has seen a uptick in startups?
0: I'll kind of continue on that. But I think in terms of what we've seen is from the life and health side of things, there wasn't as much energy in those organizations put towards either investments in startups or their innovation teams. And I would say not that those organizations are immature, but they're not as mature as the property and casualty carriers in terms of being able to scout vet, and work with startups. So I think the next three years, my prediction is that a lot of the energy and activity is going to be in the life and health side of things because of the needs, the low interest rates. So they have to be more um, efficient with their expenses. And then the startups before It's easier, like if you're a developer coming out of San Francisco, you probably have uh, property insurance, you probably have um, auto insurance, you may or may not have life insurance, but you don't necessarily understand the dynamics. It's easier to quickly understand the dynamics on the P&C side than the life side. And we're seeing a lot more industry insiders, people who have been in insurance for 20 plus years leave their traditional day jobs to then go start InsurTechs that are solving core life and health problems.
2: Dealing with InsurTech startups, do you have any advice for them whenever they're starting their company and they're starting to look for some investments?
1: When it comes to earlier stage startups, right? So these are startups who have an idea and potentially has an MVP I would kind of ask them to start focusing on really understanding the needs of their customers and uh, niche it down at least initially as much as you can. So you get a really good understanding of that particular segment of the customers and then provide a solution to them that actually really caters to that particular segment. Um, And I will focus on that first and foremost before even thinking about investment. And then once you have a really good idea uh, whether it's actually going to solve that problem for your uh, customer. Only then think about how you want to even potentially scale. And that's what you even the investment for typically is investment is just not something that you just want to get just because you're startup, but there's usually a reason, right, why you want to get the investment. And that should be to scale. So that that'll be my advice is like, don't worry about investment initially. Just really understand your customers and try to create something for them.
2: David, what about you? Any any advice you'd like to give them? Yeah, so a couple of things. First is that
0: just by definition or virtue of what InsurTechs do, most of them are technology solutions. And I think oftentimes the founder of those companies, especially if they're industry insiders in insurance, they have more of a business background. So I think it's really important for the InsurTechs to find a initial co-founder that has a technology background whether that is specific to their area so if they're doing underwriting like that person should understand underwriting models but if it's more of a a core system type of solution it should just be a a really solid person that has enterprise development experience and i think having that expertise in-house instead of outsourcing it completely will substantially reduce their costs upfront and it will reduce a lot of the technical risk because they'll have that understanding upfront to how long it's going to take to build the technology solution, what's involved in it and how it's going to roll out over time.
2: David, are there any companies that you're waiting on to come? Are there any companies that investors and, and carriers are looking to invest in that have not quite made it to market yet? There is
0: a lot of great companies that Tony and I know of that are kind of in their development phases of business and are looking to raise money. Like a startup I was talking with earlier today is solving a really important problem. They're called New Health. And the problem is like you and I can really relate to it in a sense, like let's just say we wanted to have elective procedure, whether it was something like LASIK or some other surgery down the road it's really hard to know exactly for every doctor that you would consider who's the best for that procedure and they're working right now to essentially create a platform that instead of like when you look on vitals or zocdocs has like three reviews you could see 300 reviews or a thousand reviews because it's tied right into the claims system and i think they're early in in their process and and they're getting to the point where they're going to be fundraising. So that's one company that I'm really excited about. Yeah. Another company that is kind of developing that Tony and I have worked with is a company called BobTrack. And they're kind of in that core system space, better understanding the data that you have internal to your business so if you sold a policy to a homeowner and then you also sold a policy to someone who's for their auto but they're in the same family most of the time you wouldn't have that data because it's in two separate systems it's in the policy admin system for the auto division it's in the policy admin system for the homeowners division and they're trying to solve that problem. So whether you're looking at the incentive comp for the entire business, or you're looking at incentive comp for individual agents, you can share that data and and be more efficient. So those are a a couple examples that probably not too many people have heard of, but the ones I'm actually really excited about is, we have an event on July 15th, which is focused primarily on Black InsurTech founders, and we did some really extensive research and found that that was one of the least served areas in terms of InsurTech founders. There's not too many of them and not that many people know about them. So we've created an event to showcase four Black InsurTech founders. So The one that I'm actually the most excited about in terms of that are presenting for us next week is a company called Oneva. And the CEO of Oniva, Anita, she started the business really to solve a simple problem, which is that if you have elderly parents, it's really hard to take care of them when you're at your job. So, how can companies offer employee benefit to take care of your elderly parents? And that's what Oneva is all about as a technology platform to do that. And I think they, they're solving a really important problem. And um, we're really excited to have. Anita speak at our event on the 15th. So that's a that's a couple ideas of ones that probably people haven't heard of. I'm sure all the exciting ones have probably already been on your podcast, but we definitely encourage people to check out the other three startups besides Oneva that will be on our event on July 15th as well.
2: That's phenomenal. I love that. So what all will be going on at that event? Will they be speaking at it, telling you about their companies or will other things be going on?
0: Yeah, so they'll be doing a startup showcase where they'll showcase their product and how it's solving a problem in the industry. So that will be um, the starting point. And then they'll be part of a panel that will be led by Denise Campbell, who's the president of NIA, which is the National African-American Insurance Association. She's the president of the New York chapter. So she'll be moderating it, talking about some of the challenges they have. And then we have uh, another panel that's going to be organized by New York Department of Financial Services. And they'll be talking about a circular letter that they put out in 2019 on underwriting models and making sure that they're race neutral. So we'll be talking about how that may become a regulation going forward and and how underwriters should be thinking about using external data sources.
2: I love that y'all are doing that and I think it's very much needed. So uh, thank y'all for doing that. Well, David and Tony, we are here at the end of our time for today. And I just want to say thank y'all both for being on the podcast. Tony, you from South Korea and David, you there from New Jersey. Hopefully we'll have you back on on some upcoming episodes. And thank you.
1: Thank you for having us. Appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate it.
2: Well, I'd like to thank David and Tony for being on today. Uh, It's always great to see what's going on out there in the world of venture tech. And I'm excited for them with their new adventure into the accelerator world. And uh, I love what they're doing about bringing startups into the space. Um, Also, the, the words of wisdom that they had, that's very important, right? I really liked, I believe it was Tony who talked about know your audience, know your customer, know what you're doing. That's something that really... Uh, needs to go to the heart of the of the startup company because you have to have that that focal point. You have to have that understanding in what you're doing, uh, but yet understand that a pivot's going to happen. Uh, if we've learned anything over all all of these podcast companies pivot. You know, I think that everyone has to be prepared for that. So, big shout out to David and Tony. You know, Tony calling in all the way from South Korea. I was able to visit with him a little bit about South Korea. I'm fascinated in, uh, in in North Korea and South Korea and China and that part of the world. So it was a pleasure to visit with him a little bit on that. Uh, with that, we will end. Uh, we really appreciate everybody listening. Uh, once again, we love it when people uh, subscribe to the podcast. That really helps us out. Uh, and uh Yeah. I hope everyone has a wonderful week and we'll talk to y'all soon. Goodbye, everybody.